that feeling when you finally conquered your latest challenge in life? Let's make that happen all the time. Maybe we have been using our calendars all wrong. I know that I found out this morning that I was using my calendar wrong. Uh, I have an appointment this afternoon and I was being nice and I was telling my wife uh, that I have this appointment. I'm not going to be back uh, after church for a little while. And she was like, well, it's not in the calendar, so it's probably not happening. And that's really how with with four kids in our house and two working adults, man, if we aren't using that calendar the right way, it gets all out of whack, whether it's meetings or work or after school activities or all kinds of stuff. We've got to have it in our calendar. But I wonder, maybe we've been using it all wrong. This this, uh, beginning of this month, I've been using a planner, my for the last few years that I absolutely love. I absolutely love this planner. It has helped me stop freaking out on Mondays. Uh, I would start a Monday and be like, I don't know how I'm possibly gonna get everything done. Uh, There's so much to do. And I started using this planner and it's made this huge difference in my life. And so this last January, I, or this last January, it is January, like two weeks ago, I became, a certified pro with this planner, so I can teach other people how to use this planner. And being part of being a certified pro is that they sent me a bunch of planners, which was awesome. It's, this is like three years worth of planners that, I, that are mine now, just as they're like little gifts to me. And I absolutely love these things. And so they, I know, they just keep coming, right? There's so many of these, I got really excited. And I was like, there's all these different colors. They have every version of them. Like every version of this planner that they do, they sent me. I, am, I was so excited until I started preparing for this message. Because I was like, what if, what if we're using it all wrong? What if we're using our, 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 our calendars all wrong? Well, that one of the things that's in these planners we use with uh, our leadership development program, we call it our high capacity leader intensive. If you're around me, I talk about this all the time. You probably just rolled your eyes as soon as I said that because I talk about it all the time. Uh, but if the, it's our, our leadership development program and our, we have a brand new, our fourth cohort is starting today. I am so excited to be uh, starting with these guys today. And it's all about leadership development. They spend a bunch of months with us going through a bunch of different topics. And one of the topics in there is time management. Because as you develop as a leader, all of a sudden people go, hey, you're really good at this. And then they want more from you. And you have to figure out how do you manage your time and not burn out. And so we go through this idea of time management. And one of the activities that's in there is actually from this planner. It's called an ideal week. And I get a little example. I don't know if you're going to be able to see it, but and it starts off kind of like this. You look at your calendar and you've got Uh, you kind of start to map out what, if your week was perfect, what would it look like? What would be on the days? What would be on uh, at each hour? How do you kind of plan this out? And I don't want you to go through this activity right now, but I want you to think about a version of this. So I want you to think about either your days as like hour by hour, or even your whole week. And I want you to think about what parts of your day are sacred, and what parts are secular? 
So when you think about that, what parts are connected to God and what parts are not connected to God? And maybe you're, you're thinking, okay, I, uh, Sundays, Sundays, those are sacred. I go to church. I'm at church. Uh, that's a sacred day. Uh, Monday morning when I start work, well, that's not sacred. That's secular. Uh, or maybe you're thinking about your day. You're thinking, I wake up in the morning and that first cup of coffee is like heaven. So that's sacred. Uh, but then uh, I, I'm going to make breakfast and that's not. So think about that. Think about which parts are sacred, which parts are secular. But that makes me think, man, maybe we've been looking at our calendars all wrong. And I get really nervous because they just sent me like three years worth of calendars and I don't want to throw them out, right? So let's, let's think about how calendars, and I think calendars really relate to work because uh, if you're in my job, but man, if I'm not following my calendar at work, it falls apart. Maybe for you, it's knowing uh, when you're, uh, what, what days you work or what shifts you're on or whatever it is. I think calendars and work really connect together. So I want to talk about four truths that we need to consider about work. And I think the first one is this idea of sacred versus secular. I want to look at uh, a verse to think about this. Because I think that sometimes we think about uh, our activities or our tasks as either sacred or secular. Right? We think that reading our Bible in the morning might be uh, sacred, but that um, making breakfast is not. I think about tasks in our day as sacred or, may, or secular. But I think we need to reconsider that. The truth is, I think that it's not the task that is sacred or secular. Let's look at Matthew 5.14. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. It's not saying that that activity that you do is the light of the world. It's saying you are. There's this interesting word that in the New Testament they used to refer to the church. We've kind of translated over time uh, to the word church, uh, but the, the word that it's coming from is this word ekklesia. And ekklesia meant a called out assembly of believers. A special group of believers. So maybe it isn't that one activity is secular and one activity is sacred. Maybe it's that people are secular or people are sacred. Meaning that if you're following Jesus, if, if, if uh, Jesus has forgiven you and you would follow, call yourself a Christian, maybe that's the thing. So all of you, all of you is sacred. It's not the task necessarily. Maybe it's you. The second truth I would say is uh, that work is righteous. And I think that this is all work. I think this doesn't matter whether it's you're in banking or parenting or nursing or plumbing. It does not matter. It is all righteous. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. It says, God said, fill the earth and govern it. This is in Genesis. This is the very beginning. This is God saying, your job... Your role is to govern it. It doesn't mean that it's just the job, it's just the spiritual side of, of the world. That means everything. It means everything from 
banking, to forests, to livestock, to schooling, whatever it is, it is all a part of our job. Work is something that, that, that God told us, hey, your job is to, to govern it. And our work glorifies God. Look at uh, Matthew 5, 16. It says, your light must shine before people in such a way that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's interesting. I almost wish that it didn't say, put the S on the end of works because it makes us think of like, oh, I do a good deed. And I don't think that that's necessarily what this is saying. Saying, look at the good work that we're doing and that it glorifies the Father in heaven. So I don't think there's anybody in this room that can say, oh, what I, the work that I do, it falls outside of that. I don't think that's true. I think all of the work that we do is righteous. And I think it can bring glory to God in heaven. The third truth about work is that it, work is preparation. Work is preparation. Look at Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think about my whole life and, and the, the jobs that I went through and the things that had happened in my life, they all seem like they're preparing me for a moment like this, right? I wouldn't go back and change many of them because any of them really, because they were preparing me for something like this. I was, uh, when I first got out of college, I was a pastor for a little while and uh, eventually I, I stopped doing that and I started working in the workplace and I ended up uh, working at Netflix. I mean, I think, what in the world is God preparing me for by working at Netflix? Uh, but as I started at Netflix, I eventually made it onto their training team and learned some skills on there that, uh, that to this day serve me in a huge way. It's as if God was preparing me for something next and what he was doing in the past. And maybe you are think, sitting there right now thinking, yeah, I can think of those moments that God was preparing me for what I'm dealing with now? Or maybe you're sitting here going, uh, I don't know how I feel about right now. <laughs> maybe God is preparing you for something in the future. I think that God can take all kinds of messy things and bring beauty out of them. Maybe he's preparing you for something. Work is a preparation for something coming. The fourth truth to consider is that work is an opportunity. Look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. I think this feels kind of uh, cliche, right? Work for the Lord, not for, for human masters. But I, when I read that, something stood out to me a little differently this time. I thought about this idea of sacrifice, Right? And, and when you look at the Old Testament and, and, uh, and people were going to sacrifice something, they were going to give an offering to God, they would take their best, uh, their very best, and that's what they would give. So if they were a shepherd uh, and they had one of their sheep was absolutely perfect, that it was blameless, like it was going to, it was going to bring the most at market, most likely, right? Because this is their, their, uh, their best product. That was what they sacrificed. 
That was the thing that they sacrificed. And so I think about that when, we, when we're thinking about our work, what we do, what is the very best part of us? I was talking to a friend a while back about uh, a project that I was going to get to work on. And she looked at me and she was like, Steve, how many jobs are you going to do? Because I work here and then I do a little help with some other churches. uh, And then I do some coaching on the side. And then I was going to go help this other organization. And she was like, how are you? What what are you thinking? You're doing too many things. And I joked with her. I said, here's the thing. You think that I'm working for a bunch of different teams, I think I'm just doing the same thing. I'm just doing, I'm offering the same skill set to every one of these organizations. It doesn't feel different to me. It might feel different because it's different groups, but it's the same thing to me. And I love helping people figure this out. I love, I, uh, I, I love talking to them about their superpower, right? Something that they is unique to them that they can bring to every situation, And they might think it's normal because it's them, but it's not normal. It's unique. It's something that that is unique to them, and and, and it's important for them to bring it to the situation. You might be sitting there, and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm kind of the person. I'm I'm a wanderer. I kind of daydream a little about what the opportunities are. And you think, that's not normal. Everybody daydreams. <laughs> like, no, it's not. It, you are unique. You, you have an ability to wonder about what, how could we, what problem could we solve? I feel like there's, there's a problem over here that we could explore. And if that's you, you need to bring that to your team. Because it's a unique thing. Maybe you're an inventor and you see somebody, you see those new ideas, you see those, uh, those opportunities and you think, I can invent a solution to that. I see those pieces easily. I can invent, a, I can solve that problem. I can absolutely solve that problem. If that's you, you've got to bring that to your team. It's a unique ability that you have to, to turn that wonder into some kind of solution. Maybe you're the person that rallies people. You recognize a good idea, and when you recognize a good idea, you can't help but get the room excited about it. And if you're a rallier, then you gotta bring that to the table. We need that, right? We can come up with good ideas and new solutions, but some of us can't convince anybody to jump on board with it. We need you to rally people to it. Maybe you're an encourager when it starts to get hard. When it starts to get hard for the team and everybody's like, this, this is stupid. <laughs> that we need somebody like you to come along and, and encourage us to keep going. Or maybe you're the person that goes, yeah, they all think the job is done. It's not done yet. There's still some I's to dot and some T's to cross. Well, we need you. We need you to offer that. And we need you to offer that everywhere. And when we think about what it means to, to, to use the work as an opportunity to glorify the Lord, that's what we're talking about. The way that you work in the way that only you can because it brings glory not to only how God designed you as a person, but also to uh, the, the place that you're working. So, if work is something that is holy then how do we bring it back to our calendars? Because I really do not want to throw these out. I think they're valuable. So how do we bring this back to our calendars? 
I think it's through the power of transitions. There's a guy, Brendan Bouchard, that talks about uh, transitions. And uh, he, talk, he says that they are any time that you're transitioning to something new. And that might be you're walking through a doorway, right? That's a transition. It's a good trigger as you're walking through a doorway. Uh, that, that you're starting something new or maybe you're getting in your car to go somewhere. Or maybe you are starting a phone call or an email or starting your shift at work. But there are these transitions that you can use as a trigger to ask yourself a question. And that question is, where is God working and how do I join him? Where is God working and how do I join him? I think Jesus uh, was a really, he modeled this for us in a really powerful way and I wanna read about how he did that. But to give you a little context is we're, we're gonna read uh, John, or sorry, Luke chapter 19. But before Luke chapter 19, you gotta understand that Jesus has been teaching and performing miracles. There's been a lot going on. It's a full, like this was a, a very full time of Jesus's ministry. A lot of people are paying attention to the, every word that he says. There's a lot on his calendar, okay? And then he sees something. So let's go uh, into Luke 19. We're going to go 1 through 10. It says, Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was, a, uh, there was a man there. His name was Zacchaeus, the head taxman. And he's quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man, and he couldn't see over the crowd. I felt bad for him when I read that. Uh, And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. And Jesus got to the tree, he looked up, and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. And Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree. It's funny he said scramble. This is a paraphrase, uh, but it's funny it said scramble. I think that short guys scramble, tall guys climb out of a tree. But that's just my uh, my opinion. Some short guy's going to beat me up in the parking lot after service. Uh, But hardly believing his luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and uh, grumbled. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? And Zacchaeus stood there a little stunned. And he stammered apologetically, Master, I've given away half my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I think that's funny. And if I'm caught cheating, the times I'm not caught, I don't pay back anything. But when I'm caught cheating, I pay back four times the damages. And Jesus said, today is the salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to find and restore the lost. What I think stands out here is the fact that Jesus was walking through a crowd. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of people that needed his attention. There was a lot of people that wanted something from him. But he saw in a moment that the Father had been working in the life of somebody, in the life of Zacchaeus. And he stopped what he was doing and he said, I'm going to leave all of this and I'm going to go spend some time with Zacchaeus. And I think this is such a powerful question to ask. Is where is God at work and how can I join it? Because God is at work. God is at work all over the place. And our job isn't to create the work, our job is to help the work. 
right? To join God in what he is, do, what he is doing. So maybe today you're sitting here and you're thinking, I am made for more. When I said that God is working somewhere, maybe you're sitting there and there's a pit in your stomach that's saying, that's me, he's working on me. I wanna celebrate with you that today is your opportunity to say yes to that, that you can, God has been working on you. He has been calling you to him. He has made you for more. And he can make you sacred. You have the opportunity to follow him. So I want to get just right now, I want to celebrate that. And I want to pray, giving you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If you've never said yes to him before. So let's pray. Jesus, we know that you've been working in us. We know that you've been working hard to, to draw us to you. And today, if there's someone that is ready to say, yes, I'm ready to follow you and be forgiven, I pray that, uh, that, that today, this moment would be that moment when they can say yes to you. Father, we want to be here. We want to be used for more. Thank you for loving us. Amen. So, if you've made that decision, man, we want to celebrate that with you. We are excited for you. Maybe for some of you, though, you're here and you're like, you know what? I know that God's been using me. I work, I work hard every day. Maybe for you, you're going to walk away from today and you're going to go, I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use this power of transitions to ask this question of where is God at work and how can I work with him? Or maybe for you, you're thinking, this is even better when it's with someone. This idea of, of ecclesia, of that we are a set out sacred group of believers and that we can support one another. Sometimes we don't recognize that God is working, right? Sometimes we don't see that God is working. And when we share that with other people, they, they look at us and they're like, yeah, it's pretty obvious to me. Hopefully it's obvious to you. There's value when we do this together. And so I would encourage you uh, to get into a group as we're getting into groups because there is so much power in having other people speak into your life and recognizing where God is at work. And one last thing I'll say is that if you don't already know this, uh, we do a podcast uh, and every week we do a midweek motivation. And I would encourage you this week, I'm going to talk about uh, the, the idea of activation triggers. And if you are around this week and you're listening to a podcast, listen to that. I think it would be encouraging. Because maybe it isn't that we haven't been using our calendars all wrong. Maybe it's just that we haven't been asking the right questions. <laughs>